Welcome everyone to the REST podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. I am your host, Natalie Williams, and I am here with the author of The Reconstitution Method for Healing and Rest, Virginia Dixon. As people go throughout their lives and face different trials, traumas, and triggers, a common question asked is, where is God in all this? Due to recent events, Virginia calls Dr. Angela Goldstein, a naturopathic doctor and fellow immigrant, to answer this question and give her personal perspective. So very, very, very much. I think this is going to be such an easy conversation. Dr. Goldstein, I want to welcome you. I can't tell you how thankful I am that you are able to briefly join me this morning. I know you have a line of patients and a lineup of patients that you need to see today. So thank you so much. Yeah, uh, so nice to be here. It's been so nice getting to know you and what you do. It's been amazing. I wanted to give context to our listening audience. I met you a few weeks ago. Yes. With a colleague in the field of wellness. And... I was so thankful for the opportunity to meet you. And as recently as yesterday, we had an opportunity to sit down. And as I began to connect with you at a whole other level, we began to help each other as practitioners, right? But the story that emerged, I felt, and the conversation, I should say, that emerged, I felt should be a public conversation. So... I know you have a lot of thoughts about that too. We met and it was hard to part company. We wanted to keep talking. Absolutely. The podcast, this segment that we're talking about today is specifically on trials, traumas, and triggers. And given the state of affairs, and I might add the global state of affairs, and of course the national state of affairs, and the confusion, chaos, and dis-ease that we find ourselves in, not only nationally, but internationally as well, I think merits a conversation about what we share in our common humanity. So I wanted everybody to hear a little bit about your story, especially given the atrocities that we're watching and that we're listening to And just the voice of children, of mothers, of families, of men, of politicians, of celebrities in the Ukraine, and their hunger and their desire to maintain their sovereignty and more expediently their lives. Uh And it struck me on so many levels, because I'm an immigrant, and I've mentioned that a number of times. And I often say how we left a country in political turmoil to come to one experiencing a civil war values. And after our conversation yesterday, I wanted people to hear your perspective. Not only are you from that region of the world, but you are a specific heritage, nationality, and all that. So I wanted you to talk to our listening audience about the trials pretty much of your life. Well, thank you for having me. You know, it's been wonderful meeting you. I've been kind of praying and hoping of meeting someone like you. 
just and for myself and for my patients, because I think what you do is so, so, so important, especially I think in our world that is so confused and people are not rooted in they and who they are. So I think what you do is so, so amazing. And looking at generational trials and tribulations, I think is going to be so important for so many people. And now it kind of came to the front of what's going on in Ukraine with Russia. And it's interesting, you know, to... I mean, interesting, it's horrifying to see what's going on, but it's history repeating itself and the struggles that people thought they left behind many years ago in the World War II, which was so horrifying when Ukraine was invaded very similarly, more aggressively than now, and how people struggle and they had to escape. My own family had to escape Ukraine. And when they were little kids, they had to escape with their parents and siblings. And so... I, we all thought we left it all behind. You know, it's never going to happen again. World War III will never happen again. We'll live in peace. And all these people in Ukraine thought they were living in peace. They going uh, on about the days and and all of a sudden they got invaded. And I think for a while they didn't believe it. I think they were in denial. Something really interesting, how history does repeat itself when we lo- don't learn the lessons from history. Right. And something really interesting. Ukraine was invaded in similar fashion in World War II and your family, and it was more aggressive. It was more violent and your family bore the weight of that. And here it is, your lifetime, in your mother's lifetime, it's happening again. Exactly. Exactly. Everyone, a little bit of you and where you, who you are, where you were born and your heritage. So they have context. So I was born and raised in Russia. My parents are from Ukraine. Uh, They lived there for generations. Their families lived there for generations, experiencing all the trials and tribulations. And my family is Jewish. And so am I. Grew up in Russia, went to nursing school there, was a nurse, was enamored with conventional medicine and just through different events that happened in my life, you know, came to naturopathic medicine where, you know, I embraced a person as a whole. And that's why what you do, Virginia, really fits with what I do because I really want to address mind, spirit and body. And I think you're the missing piece that I've been looking for. So, well, first of all, one of the things that I found most compelling here, you are on the other side of the world, and you're such a sister. We share this common humanity, right? This exactly. spirit through the soul in our body. But what's central is what I call the, the universal and primary law of nature, which is life. Mm-hmm. The desire to preserve and sustain life. And even in the midst of what used to be the USSR that became Russia, I want you to talk about what it was like for a minute, talk about trials and tribulations under which you were educated, but talk about what the system was like for a Russian Jew. Living as a Jew in Russia was never easy. It was never easy in Russia or Ukraine, no matter where you were, you were always identified as a Jew, you know, in all your documents and all, you know, including which people always get surprised, including in grade books. So all your teachers knew you were Jewish and you were treated accordingly. You were told that you can only go so far. 
there was only uh, quotas for universities and colleges and certain jobs, uh, how many Jews they were willing to take on. You were denied certain opportunities, you know. So for me, I was in nursing school. I was telling you where there was exchange program is a nursing school in Germany. I was all ready to go until the last minute they told me, yes, yeah, sorry, you can't go. And I said, why not? He says, you know, why not? You're a Jew. You can't go. And it wasn't because it was Germany. It was because, you know, they didn't want Jews to have extra opportunities or potentially escaping. I don't know why they wanted to keep us. You know, they they couldn't get uh, rid of us fast enough. So when the opportunity came to my family to leave, we did, you know, and so did many other Jews. But a lot of Jews, you know, stayed back in Ukraine. And I've been in contact with the synagogue that I go to and they are in contact with, it's called Chabad's or the Orthodox organizations that help Jewish communities in Ukraine. And so they, they've been in contact with them. I've watched interviews of how they, you know, getting along and they, how much they're trying to help Jewish people escape. Because again, they, in particular, even so, all of Ukraine suffers, but Jewish people sing, sing, singled out as somebody who don't doesn't need help. So they... They need to have somebody else advocate for them. And these uh, organizations, these Chabads all over the world, help to advocate for Jewish people and help to bring them out. When did this, can you give us context in terms of what year were you studying? Was the discrimination? What year were these transactions Right. So it was in the 80s. So I was in nursing school in the 80s. We left Russia in 1991, three weeks before Soviet Union fell apart. So we're talking about from around the mass exodus of Jews started in 1985 and then continued on for many years. And uh, the whole process took about three years to go through all the different steps that they required you to do. So it wasn't easy. Wow. Now, yeah. your father, your father mm-hmm. worked for the government. Everybody works for the government. Everybody worked for the government, right? right. There was no private enterprise. There was no. no private enterprise. There was no religion, you know, so it was all. You know what was interesting, Dr. Goldstein, that I, after you left yesterday I, and late in the evening, I was driving home and relived so much of my childhood mm-hmm. in, during the course of our conversation the trials, the traumas, and now I'm being triggered extensively by Mm. what's happening in Ukraine, as are you. But I remembered wondering why in the world when we were having tea, because we had tea every afternoon, right? Mm -hmm. And the conversation was always around religion and Mm -hmm. politics, right? Religion, politics, and family occupied most of my family's conversations. And I'll never forget, during the course of a conversation, this topic coming up about a family mm-hmm. member, about a relative, about a neighbor, about a friend. Or something. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Pero él trabaja para el gobierno. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Trabaja para el gobierno. And I was captivated by that phrase. And for some reason, it struck me after you left yesterday. It was just like a mantra. Oh, no, they work for the government. They work for the government. Mm-hmm. And that was perplexing to me because it, I was very young, but there was so much free enterprise among mm-hmm. my family, among my relatives. But I, that stuck with me. And when you said that yesterday, everybody works for the government. Uh, 
wow, I guess it's necessary for the government to have everyone and everything and every industry and every trade under their control. I specifically remember them taking over the media, controlling the information. And I remember television would only be on for a certain amount of hours a day. And then they were scheduled blackouts. Mm -hmm. They began to control people by the resources that they had access to. People eventually worked for the government because they undermined free enterprise. Mm -hmm. And I think I often say that the enduring voices of a generation speak to the triumph of the human spirit. I found your story so compelling because in in the midst of all of that, and in spite of all of that, and your father's disillusionment with the government, which I'd like you to address and what happened, but it's the enduring voices of generation that speak to a triumph of the human spirit, and you you represent that. And as a matter of fact, I think I'm going to start something on the podcast where I honor people like you, and I recognize the sacrifice that your father and your mother made to bring you here and the contribution you made, you're making to my life and my patients and my mm-hmm. clients, by the way, as well. And hopefully the one I can make to you, because here it is. It is the hand of God ruling and overruling in the affairs of men and nations. Absolutely. Isn't it? And it's a sovereignty yeah. of God. And I think although we're talking about trials and traumas and triggers, I don't want people to miss that this isn't just about political systems. I Mm -hmm. want to talk about governmental systems that override political systems. And it is the sovereignty of God deposited in the soul of a man Mm -hmm. that ultimately says, wait, I was meant for more than this. Even Even under tyrannical you know, forms of government. There's a government that overrides all that. And, and mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to say all this to you yesterday, but that's that's why I said, wait, can, I know you're so busy, but can you get on a quick call conversation with me? And I think you're making very much or did you get what I meant? No, I got it. I, I think you're making a very good point, you know, about where's God in all of this, you know, because if you think about Jewish people and other people going through Holocaust and World War II, it was extremely traumatic and it would cause crisis of faith in anybody. I mean, even if they didn't experience it so dramatically, even if they were in the periphery. And and I think, you know, especially because 6 million Jewish people died in Holocaust and you would think, why would people continue to remain Jewish? Where's God in all of this, right? The, the, you know, the, the teaching is, you know, in Judaism is that there's a reason for everything. What you told me yesterday, right? Mistakes help me change and grow. And so it's examining us to the reasons of why it happens and strengthening your faith in God, not, you know, walking away yeah. from God, you That's know, right. you know, so it's, you know, you, you can say, you know, how can you possibly, you, again, something is happening very similar in Ukraine, you know, how can you Thing that the God would be responsible for that. And, and the question is, it's not God, it's man doing it. And I think, you know, for me, it's really, you know, I told you how sensitive and how raw the Holocaust is for me, you know, how I feel, I don't know, you know, a lot of my relatives went through it. And now looking at it in Ukraine, you know, it's similar kind of thing, you know, Russia has been trying to subjugate Ukraine for generations, hundreds and hundreds right. of years, you know. 
that's not in you. And then the other thing I was reading an article, they saying, you know, we are so up in arms about Ukraine, but things like that happen all over the world on a regular basis, you know, and we... The human condition, right? It's the heart of man. And yeah. even the Civil War, I've been watching 1883 right. on Amazon Prime. And if you haven't seen it, you got to see it. It's a precursor yeah. to Yellowstone. But in watching it, it's captivating to see that it's the people that want to divide us and turn us against each other. Right. They want to control all of us and usher in a tyrannical, a tyrannical form of government. Excuse me, my accent comes out. Right. Yeah. Some, some words I use. But what I found captivating about that story, and for those of you that haven't seen it yet, I can't recommend it enough. Watch 1883. But it's the character and conscience that established this republic is mm-hmm. founded on principles of individual of liber of the of the value of the individual, the principles of liberty to secure freedom, and the thing the exceptionalism that became America, and I say this as an immigrant, is this narrative that we hold these truths to be self evident that mm-hmm. all men are created equal, right, and with a right for right life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right, because they understood these universal principles of uh, that constituted everything that was sacred, that explained everything sacred about our common humanity. And right. that is what established this form of civil government, right? Absolutely. So then we ask ourselves, well, and I love your the point you brought up about God. Well, how the heck did the civil war then happen? Because sin, right, conflicts are stored within the heart of man. Mm-hmm. Conscience bears witness of the conflicts we have within ourselves. But I think what was captivate, what's captivating about the narrative and what you're saying is it's only the people that want to rule all of us that try to turn us against each other with these narratives of hate. You're right. Enslavement and tyrannical, go- tyrannical governments and all these things and You know, yeah, six million people died under Hitler, but how many died? 20-some million died under Stalin. Right. Right, exactly. They make the Hitlers possible, right? And so there's all this division and hate being spewed, and we need to silence the voice of hate by stepping into these places, I believe, of rest, where we reconcile the conflicts within ourselves, because these wars and these rumors of wars and these political things that we find ourselves discussing, the root of all that is the evil and the conflicts within the heart of man. Absolutely. And one reason I loved talking to you about it is because by the grace of God, and according to that little quiet, still voice that says, Angela, mm-hmm. you were made for more than this. Even under the reign of an oppressive government, look, you found your way to freedom and look what you're doing. Look what mm-hmm. I'm doing. My, right. Because of the courage of our parents. Absolutely. Absolutely. So going back to your dad, tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about what you did. So my dad was an electrical engineer and geologist, and he worked you know, in Soviet Union for the government. And he worked on putting the first man in in space. And so he was a brilliant man who was in the wrong place, you know, at the wrong time. He would have done exceptionally well 
if he was able to be somewhere else where his ideas and his ability to see beyond, you know, the box, you know, we're taking seriously. And so after, you know, working on such serious projects, you know, putting work, uh, men into space and such, he tried other jobs after that. And he was always dissatisfied because he had so many great ideas. He wanted to improve the world. He wanted to improve how things are done. And nobody ever listened to him because of, you know, if you work for the same amount of money, that's our psychology, you know, and there's nothing ever. There's no upward potential. Everything is just gray and average. You know, nobody wants you great ideas. And so after a while, you know, he just settled. He says, I'm just going to sit in the boiler room and, and supervise a boiler. <laughs> and that's it. There's no point, you know. And, and that's how they slowly kill the spirit. Or exactly. And their hunger for freedom. Is they make them feel trapped. By the way, it's much of what we've seen with these stimulus packages here in America during COVID. Right. Why go to work? The government's going to take care of this. Exactly. It feels appealing because of the stress and the anxiety, the trauma of it all. Wow, they don't realize that they just forfeited a piece of their soul. Exactly. Exactly. And the same, I think, with patients. You know, a lot of times, you know, Patients want to go on disability and some patients rightfully so, but other patients, I've heard another doctor say, you know, I never recommend disability to my patients. And the reason being that people settle and they define themselves by their disability and they never want to get better at that point. They just stay the same. You know, the check is coming in. They're okay with that amount of money by now. And that's it. They They don't want to grow and, and they don't want to grow from there. And I want our listening audience to see firsthand what happened in the life of your family. And by the way, I respect you so much and your mother for the courage to rise up. But the primary provider in the home, which was dad, right? I know your mom's very intelligent as well. The primary provider in the home of the whole family system, he was the head of the home was really slowly, the home was really decapitated. The body of the family was slowly decapitated. And men were marginalized, and we we see patterns of this repeatedly coming from the emergence of these world orders. And I the, men, the men really become so disillusioned and so fragmented and so broken. And, and this is why I think women, too, become so important. A man and a woman is so important in the home. But the woman rises up and says, no, I have a family. And she right. will go to the front lines with everything she's got to fight right. for her children, for her offsprings. Right. And the man often feels so much shame and disappointment and depression and anxiety because he can't provide for his family and so much of his manhood, right? Right, exactly. I mean, it's not like he can go get a bow and arrow and just go hunt and go provide and go discipline right. to bring, right? provision yeah. home it's it's a different world right um yeah oftentimes i think we talk about deadbeat dads and you know we talk about in derogatory ways about the men in our life but we fail to see how systematically spheres of government and structures of authority civil authority and civil government began to sl- begin to slowly diminish and undermine what it is to be a man and what it is to be a woman and the necessity of both in creating this whole beautiful family system. And anatomy speaks for itself, right? 
Right. And I, and I think the thing is, is that we were trying to get women to be men, you know, which I don't think is right. You know, we all have our own past, you know, in life and our own reason for who we are. For and me. we we were trying to, you know, I think in America, there was a popular sentiment of melting pot, you know, let's take all the different nationality and ethnic group and meld them together and forget where the roots are. And I don't think that's great, you know, and it's not possible because then people are floating around like balloons. They don't know where the roots are, you know, and I think that's so important. And the same floating around by like balloons, but they're trying to get all these balloons of different ethnicities and backgrounds and nationalities to destroy each other. Right. Right. If they get us to destroy each other, then they have power. We always give of power and authority for safety and security, and we see an emergence of that. Your father, basically, during that crazy time, basically slowly shut down. He gave up. Yeah, he gave up. And mom, yeah. and, mom and God bless him, because we can love the, the mannishness and man, and we can love right. the same... We deal with the same afflictions, right? We got to fight for something. But um, I do want to honor the courage of your mom who brought you to America. How old were you? I was 19. 19. Yeah. And what was the difference between living in Russia as a Jew and coming to America as a Jew? Um, well, as I was telling you, I was a nurse and uh, with aspirations to become a doctor, to go to medical school in Russia and uh, realizing that in order for me to go to medical school, my mom would have to give uh, find some kind of large uh, sum of money to give a bribe in order for me to go. And for right. Jewish people, it was twice the amount. Everybody had to give a bribe. But uh, as a Jew, I had to, uh, we had to get double. And, you know, my mom being the only provider for the family, it would be nearly impossible. So it would likely near, be nearly impossible for me to go to medical school there, even so that was my whole life dream. So when we came here, it was not at all impossible. Yes, there were obstacles. Yes, it was hard, but it was not impossible. You know, and that's, I think, one of the biggest difference. And, and I hope, and I think, you know, nobody looked at my, you know, last name Goldstein and said, Oh, she's a Jewish girl. You know, she can't go to medical school. You know, we were in Russia. That was a a definite, you know, it was not a possibility. It was a, a definite type of thing. You know, I am so thankful that providentially you ended up in the United States of America because I can't think of a more relevant voice and a more relevant story mm-hmm. than what you're sharing with us today. This was not planned, actually. Okay. <laughs> it was just something we both jumped into. And I said, hey, I- have a conversation about this. What compelled me is that I always want to give people hope. Mm-hmm. And I want people to understand the function of being intentional and deliberate about stepping into a place of rest. Your mother stepped into a place of rest, relational, emotional, and spiritual truth. And she examined the foundations that shaped her life. The right. life of her heart, what her philosophy was, what's true and what's not about God is and God isn't. The role of her relationships and the decisions she'd made and how it impacted her and your family. The meaning of these images that she had to continuously frame with truth 
Mm-hmm. that controlled much of her central nervous system. I always talk about that memories are stored in the brain and mm-hmm. memories are stored in images, right? Can right. you imagine how she had to reconcile those things? And then the value of her story, she had to really decide, is this going to be the story? Will this be the final chapter of our lives? And the answer for her was absolutely not. I will right. die trying but I lost my husband. I lost my family. We lost our home. And now there's a life here. Right. I think it's so captivating how a woman, and not that a man doesn't, I think a man does the same thing in a different way, but how mm-hmm. a woman really will give up her life for the life of her children and to secure my father, by the way, did that as a man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, but your mother did that for you in a way that I find is unique than the way I watched my dad do it. Something about a man, when he has to make those kinds of sacrifices, I saw my dad in some way check out a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, really the trials and the trauma and the triggers he never reconciled all those things. A woman fights to reconcile every one of those things on every turn with her life because there's children and there's such a divine relationship between a mother and a child. It's different. That child is woven together in the womb of that body. And I believe, and I'm hoping to address this in my dissertation, I believe there's something just sacred about that relationship not to diminish right that of a man at all my dad saved my life right and gave me the life I had he's now passed Mm -hmm. it was very different than the hunger I had for my dad than that I had for my mom in the context of rest I think your story is so prevalent because those trials and those traumas that you underwent developed some triggers that manifest in health conditions Can you talk, do you feel comfortable talking about that at all? Because I want people to feel hope that we're not enslaved by our trials and our traumas. We've got to identify them all, work through them, and then face the triggers and understand the triggers so we can extinguish the life and the access they have to us, right? You were talking about my mom and her like this desire to protect and save, you know, so her, she always was worried about me. She was always trying to protect, you know, like, you know, every mother wants to put a little cushion. So when the child falls, you know, they don't hurt themselves. You know, we all don't want our children to suffer and hurt. Right. I have two children. I don't want them to suffer and hurt. I want to put a cushion down, but, you know, still understanding the challenges you know, make, make, make us grow. We still don't want them to suffer that much. And so I think for me, you know, the way that my mom was trying to protect me and, and cushion me, you know, for me, it resulted in, you know, having a weight issue that I've dealt with uh, all my life and, you know, trying to kind of, you know, that's why I came to you trying, I'm like, okay, how can we, you know, unpack that, you know, it's kind of the way I think about it, how we unpack it. And, you know, and I think it comes from generations before me, how all these women went through all these trauma and how they were trying to cushion it for their children. So children would not have to suffer. So it trickled all the way down, you know, and for me, you know, like I said, it manifested as the, the 
weight issue that I've been, I've, I've been dealing with. And I always think about like, okay, where's the silver lining to all of this, you know? And I think one of it is like, I have much more compassion for other women who go, going through the same thing. And yet I do want to find an answer to like, how do you unpack it? It's a different story for different individual, but I think we're all connected that we have generations of trauma, no matter what your ethnic background is and where you came from. We just have that desire from a mother to cushion and protect and then manifest in all these different ways. We're going to address this and I'd like to have you back to speak about these, the trials, the traumas, the triggers. We're addressing that to some extent now. I know it's right. a little wild how we're talking about it, but right, we, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, but you know what, we're going to address it in the context of health in the next segment Mm -hmm. And neither of us have time to do that today, but I would like to invite you back for Mother's Day. Sure. Because yeah. not only am I going to help you, not only am I 100% certain we're going to crack this nut, but right. I know what we have to do. I understand why we have to do it. Right. I understand what we have to do. And mm -hmm. I, I have a, a general understanding of how, and between what I, I always say, I rest is about the philosophy and the theology of how the soul works through the brain and the body. Mm -hmm. so my limited knowledge and understanding of that, which I've worked with that for many years, developing that, but between that and the background you have, both. Mm -hmm of the trials the traumas and the triggers and your and we'll add the medical degree at the end and that's going to uniquely equip you to have this discussion with me nice. uh, you know i just have to say i just love you i love you i am so thankful god brought you in my life i feel the same way i feel the same way I've, I've been hoping and praying for somebody like you to come into my life. I'm like, okay, I don't have this vacuum that I needed to feel with, you know, somebody like you who cares, who, you know, genuinely loves people, um, who really wants to change the world, you know, and I think it's so, so important. We are lacking that. We were talking about, you know, these balloons floating around and how from that, the lack of self-esteem, these balloons have, have people who have, don't have roots. You know, you, I think what you're doing is the answer are bringing these people down to earth and having the roots and having the beautiful trees grow from that, you know. Exactly. Oh, that's a great analogy. You know, um, we're all in this together. Right. And it's what is sacred about our human condition, I think, that we need to cling to and we need to learn how to love each other in ways that perhaps mm -hmm. we couldn't understand. We have so much technology. You and I have so much fun talking about right. things we can use. They're like toys to us. Right. Because we can unlock the secrets in the body and the spirit and the soul and the mind and see a, a blueprint of the brain. We can see these things and go to our patients in, and our clients immediately and say, look, look, mm -hmm. your body is speaking to you so clearly. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And we can't, we have to embrace this emerging movement, I think, of liberty to secure freedom because I think it's global. And right. I, think, I think it's totally global. It is totally global. And I don't know how we're going to do it, but 
Absolutely. Um, I believe the world was changed 2022 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I believe we have the privilege of coming together by the grace of God mm-hmm. and meaningful conversations because I believe women and men and children are going to get their hands on little messages like this that are produced just from pure conviction to say, wait a minute, I want to join them. Tonight. Yeah, because we will change the world. Just any closing words? Well, I was going to bring, you know, the, the truth, you know, back, you know, from what you were talking about and, you know, how hard it is to, to cling to that truth in the, in the era of propaganda, because, you know, we listen to our news station and a lot of it is propaganda. I listened yesterday to the Russian TV station in Russia and, you know, because I wanted to see what they're saying. And then a lot of it is the same propaganda I heard when I was there in Soviet Union. They're saying the West is bad. They're trying to attack us. They're trying to invade us And that propaganda. And how do you stay, stay true? You know, how do you find truth in all of that and how you then, you know, um, feel confident to to raise your children in that truth, you know, and 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 keep it to yourself because it's so hard with such a great propaganda that tends, you know, the agenda of that is to change your brain, you know, change your perception of things, you know, change how you look at the world, you know, that you are here all by yourself and there is nobody there protecting you and taking care of you. And then, and the fact, you know, that I'm thinking about like my mom who left, I mean, she had a really good job when we left Russia. I mean, she was the top female in her field, you know, and she was making good money. We were comfortable and all of that. And she left it all behind and came here to nothing. She was nobody here. And same happening in Russia, all these people, you know, acquired material comforts, you know, and they had comfort and security and all of a sudden everything is ripped apart. You know, it just to think about just that is mind boggling how people have to just drop everything, but to preserve life, they have to go not to think about material. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Right. Gave up money. Right. she gained a, a legacy and inheritance and and to, to sit here both mm-hmm. women immigrants whose parents had to do similar things right different circumstances there was much more oppression where you were than what my father saw coming in montevideo uruguay than what my dad was actually living but he saw coming right nevertheless the sacrifices are immeasurable they're immense but i think it is a hug from god that i can be speaking to a russian jew who came under unbelievable circumstances now when there's a lot of resentment there's a lot of bitterness towards russia i want to make sure that people are very careful Mm -hmm. not to give up hope and what's sacred about our common humanity and let's love each other in spite of our propensity to resent and to hate people of different nationalities because somebody is from iran or iraq doesn't make them a terrorist right they're human beings they're just people they're people they want a family they want to love and you worry let us worry and invest in stepping into these places of rest and authenticity with each other and these political systems cannot withstand the power and the truth of what it is to love well 
right. and not check our brains out at the door. Right. Not, right. And so I think the opportunity to speak with you so openly about your history, about what happened in your country, about what it was like to be a Jewish, a Jewish woman in that, and a very intelligent person, and the immigration process, and the triggers that resulted from that are some very real physiological things that you deal with. Right, absolutely. And, and I think the best part about this whole conversation, honestly, is that we've had an opportunity, we have an opportunity to collaborate, love each other first of all to mm-hmm. listen carefully to each other to collaborate and and join forces to really be a voice of reason in crazy 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 times yeah authenticity and love a voice of authenticity and love you know uh-huh. And yeah. by the way, pertaining to healthcare and mental illness is the number one health crisis we're facing in America today. Yeah. And that's because we don't have roots. You know, we, we, we don't have we're separated from who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, you, I think you talk about, you know, this dissociation and I think we're experiencing it on the global level. We have this major dissociation. People don't have anything to, they don't have an anchor. And when you don't have an anchor and faith, I mean, what what do you have left? Right. Well, you represent what I've been talking about for 30 years. The enduring voices of a generation will always speak to the triumph of the human spirit. And I feel compelled to begin to list two sentences and a name on my website and just have a running list of what those people represent. And you're among them. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Let's come back around Mother's Day and talk about okay. um, why this is our temple right. and to protect it and love it. And as we deal with our traumas, I think our trials and our triggers, we can. Well, thank you for having me here. I really appreciate you and your delight on the world. And I'm truly grateful for you being here for, for me and for everybody else. I receive it. Thank you. As are you. I hope today we lit up a bunch of other little lights. Yes, absolutely. God bless you. Bye. Bye. All right, everyone. As I announced last week, Virginia decided to host another local Day of Rest event at the Villa in Silverado Canyon on Saturday, April 2nd. If you would like to register, all of the information is on the website. If you'd like to get in touch or make an appointment with Dr. Goldstein, please go to N as in Nancy, D as in dog, naturalpath.com or call 949-493-7284. For updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate. Thank you for listening to Rest with Virginia Dixon. We'll see you next week.